1: It was the secret force behind stories about John Edwards' $400 haircut and Mitt Romney's decision to put the family dog on the roof of his car. Now, Donald Trump Jr. says it's what motivated him to meet with a Russian lawyer. The dark art of opposition research. It's Thursday, July 13th.
2: For me, this was opposition research. They had something,
1: you know, maybe concrete evidence to all the stories I'd been hearing about, but they were probably underreported for you know, years, not just during the campaign. So I think I wanted to hear it out. Jonathan Martin. Hey, Mikey. How are you? Good, man. Much of this seems to come down to whether this meeting that Donald Trump Jr. was in was in fact opposition research or something else. So to start, what is opposition research? Typically,
0: apo as it goes in the tradecraft, is information that is either primary source documents, mm-hmm. court filings, campaign finance disclosures, or secondary source information, quotes from past newspaper articles, votes that were taken mm-hmm. in a legislative body, that a party or a candidate compiles with the intention of distributing to the media in hopes of creating negative stories or broadcasts. It's stuff dug up to hurt somebody. Correct. Unless you're digging it up on your own candidate, which is done for precautionary methods, Hmm. so that you're ready for the attacks. So either you're preparing for the attacks against your candidate or you're readying attacks against a rival. Got it. Okay. And generally, how does this work? How do campaigns get this research? So there are typically lower level aides, usually in their 20s, who work in what is euphemistically called the research department of of either a political party or a Campaign. And what these folks will do is they will first go into newspaper archives, search for past quotes. And then um, when they get a little bit more aggressive, they'll go to courthouses. They will go to colleges. Mm -hmm. They will seek out transcripts. They will seek out divorce records. They will seek out um, Mm -hmm. campaign finance information. They will seek personal financial disclosures. Um, But, Mikey, it's usually done, though, by, you know, mainstream political operatives in the two American political parties who do this and sort of work with the press corps to get this
1: information out there. So I want to distinguish something. How often is the information something that the campaign and its 20-something staffers find themselves versus information that is brought to them from the outside? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. You, You can probably see where I'm going here. I can't.
0: Overwhelmingly it is compiled at the staff level. You know, for example, President Obama cast a lot of uh, votes when he was in the Illinois Senate where mm-hmm. he didn't show up. He didn't have a vote recorded or he voted present um, instead of yes or no. Right. Well, that's the kind of thing that a staffer would dig into the archives and find. Now, there are moments where folks will come over the transom, as we call it, or they'll even show up or they'll call on the phone uh, and present some kind of information to be vetted. And, you know, sometimes that can be a gold mine usually it's a shaft mm-hmm. <laughs> um, meaning it's it's not as real as it seems a fool's errand yeah yeah too good to be true <laughs> so yeah, I'd say the overwhelming amount of information comes from actual
1: staff research. OK, so can you give us some real examples of how opposition research has been used in past presidential campaigns? How much time do we have today,
0: Mike? <laughs> um, uh, the list is long. Your favorites.
1: Uh, here's what
0: comes to mind. Um Our friend Ben Smith, uh, when we were at Politico together, he had a fun one, the John Edwards $400 haircut. Mm -hmm. Beverly Hills hairdresser Joseph Tornueva has confirmed that he did indeed give Democratic presidential candidate John Edwards two haircuts at $400 apiece. Now, this was a sort of classic oppo, something that is so devastating because it reinforces the pre-existing assumption about somebody. And that was campaign finance disclosure. The Edwards campaign slipped in the $400 haircut on their campaign finance disclosure. The Obama campaign found that and gave it to Ben Smith at, at Politico. We've had a Congress that spent money like John Edwards at a beauty shop. Oh, the Romney car elevator.
1: I remember this one because it was a scoop from Politico, yes. and I wanted
0: it. It was a scoop that was presented to me, and I was getting ready for my wedding, so I shared hmm. it with colleagues. Yeah. That so what, is, is,
1: what exactly happened?
0: The Obama campaign folks went to the city of San Diego and got the renovation blueprint proposal that whoever overhauled the Romney Oceanside Mance uh, filed <laughs> because you have to file that stuff with, right. with, with the locality. And of course, there it is. Any political operative worth his salt will see the words car elevator <laughs> and, you know, we'll start like a dog with a prime rib. Saliva is coming out.
2: <laughs> I'd certainly never met somebody before that had car elevators because they had so many vehicles in one house. Mm-hmm. I'm Ben LeBolt. I was the national press secretary for the Obama-Biden 2012 campaign. Tell
1: us the story of Mitt Romney's car
2: elevator. When our research team found that information, we said, this is a great pitch. It's not going to win the Pulitzer Prize, but <laughs> it, it's relevant to the campaign conversation about whether or not Romney's out of touch. And we have handed off that information to a reporter to do their own reporting on it. Verify that it was legitimate and make it a story.
1: And Ben, what was the reaction to the story of the car elevator?
2: It went viral. Mitt Romney's
0: reputation as Mr. Moneybags just stepped up a notch with the latest reports about the big upgrade
2: on his beach house. He
1: is installing a car elevator to a four car garage.
2: From above, there is a second element that actually drops down from the ceiling, then allows two new cars to pull into the garage. So, yeah, I would say it's fair to characterize it as a car elevator.
1: His campaign thinks there's no optics concern here, telling The New York Times it's, quote, just a mechanism for storing cars in tight spaces.
2: I mean, this is one of those stories that broke through to news outlets like Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood Hmm. and People Magazine, that the usual political conversation doesn't penetrate. So in that way... We reached a huge amount of voters that we wouldn't normally. And in fact, even at the campaign headquarters, we, as a joke, labeled the elevators going into the office after the auto companies that President Obama helped save. So Ford, GM, Chrysler, we had car elevators of our own after that moment in the campaign.
1: Uh, presidential
2: politics.
0: (laughs) So that's one recent example. Now, more seriously, mm-hmm. uh, in a general election, really famous one, in the closing days of the 2000 race, George W. Bush almost lost because... Governor George W. Bush responds to questions from reporters on his drunk driving arrest in 1976. That was an explosive story a few days before the election. Obviously, there's a report out tonight that 24 years ago, I was uh, apprehended in Kennebunkport, Maine, for a DUI. That's an accurate story. I'm not proud of that. And if you ask the Bush folks today, they will tell you that they lost tens of thousands of votes, if not more, because of that story. And they nearly
1: lost the White House because of it.
2: It's a regrettable incident that uh, I find interesting that four or five days before the election is coming to the surface.
1: Jonathan, do the candidates and campaigns ever just call out the sources of opposition research and say, hey, 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 I think I know where that came from?
0: Yes. In fact, one of my favorite political sayings uh, in the lexicon is something that that Bill Clinton has made famous. It's an old Arkansas political phrase. It goes like this. If you find a turtle on a fence post, it didn't get there by accident.
1: (laughs) Why would a turtle end up on a fence post?
0: Because somebody put it there. (laughs) If you see a story in a newspaper about some kind of misbehaving by a political figure, it didn't get there by accident.
1: So, Jonathan, let's talk about this offer that was made to Donald Trump Jr. in which he's calling it opposition research. Do you recognize it as that?
0: No, of course not, because th- this did not come from Republican researchers. This did not come mm-hmm. from somebody who was looking into Hillary Clinton's background, who is an American political professional or even an American, period. This is much different. This is a adversarial foreign country trying mm. to mess around in an American election to secure a preferred outcome. It's a different animal entirely. So you're starting
1: to answer this question, but is it – Common or not at all for a foreign government to be the source of opposition research? I think there are some
0: foreign countries that would like to play that role. Mm -hmm. It's just that they haven't really been that successful and many haven't tried because they know that there are or at least were pretty strong norms Mm -hmm. in American political campaigns that, yes, we fight tough and at times dirty. But this is not the kind of thing that most mainstream campaigns for president in this country would do – Most political operatives would see that and they would immediately forward it to their supervisors and say, what do we do? There would be Hmm. meetings, conference calls, discussions. Lawyers. Oh, heavens yes. There was this example – I think it was Bush versus Gore again where the – Bush campaigns debate prep got in the hands of the Gore folks, and the Gore people saw
1: these materials.
0: I think it was FedEx to them or something like so that. So these
1: would be materials that would literally help George W. Bush prepare to debate Al Gore on television. Correct. So what did the Gore campaign do? They went to the authorities. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I wonder, Jonathan, with the juiciest possible material, yeah. do you really believe most other campaigns would have responded by? shutting it all down and calling the FBI. I think if they had gotten
0: prima facie evidence of Hillary Clinton acting in – a way that was clearly felonious, they would have, of course, pursued the material. Mm -hmm. But if they were just offered a promise with no details included of damning material, I think alarm bells would have immediately gone off.
2: The notion that somebody just sends an email that says, I have damaging information on your opponent. Come meet with me. There's huge risk in accepting an invitation like that and one that I think a lot of campaigns um, would turn their backs on.
1: So to you, Ben, can you understand the impulse from Donald Trump Jr. and the others who joined this meeting to find out if an offer of embarrassing information about your rival in a campaign is actually there?
2: Uh, Look, I mean, there are always salacious characters that are attracted to have some level of, of influence on the political process, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Roger stones and the Dick Morrises. Um when you work on a campaign, uh, you learn quickly uh, to try to avoid people who are going to walk you into a trap. Hmm. And this feels like an incident, certainly more significant than something like that because you're actually dealing with a foreign adversary that crossed so many lines that I've never seen crossed in my career on campaigns and in politics, not only on my side of the aisle, but on both sides of the aisle.
1: So, Jonathan, I wonder if this defense from Don Jr., that this is just opposition research, I wonder if that's going to become the defense for all these members of the Trump campaign when they're explaining all the various allegations of contact with the Russians.
0: Yeah, I think
1: that they might give that
0: a go. But the problem is that it just runs into that one sentence in the email where it's presented as an effort to help Trump win by the Russian government that is inescapable. And I just think that any effort to minimize this is going to run headlong into that single sentence in the email about how this was an effort to help Trump win. Jonathan...
1: Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye. We'll be right back.
0: What's good for society can also be good for your bottom line. And with iShares Sustainable ETFs, you can do more to build a strong portfolio for the long term iShares Sustainable ETFs seek to deliver long-term outcomes by providing access to quality companies that may be better positioned to manage sustainability risks. Get a new perspective on your portfolio with iShares Sustainable ETFs. Learn more at iShares.com sustainable.
1: Here's what else you need to know today. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I believe to my core...
0: That there's only one right way to do this job, and that is with strict independence, by the book, playing it straight,
2: faithful to the Constitution, faithful to our laws. In
1: his Senate confirmation hearing on Wednesday, President Trump's nominee to lead the FBI, Christopher Wray, was asked what he would do if the president wanted him to drop an investigation, a request Trump is reported to have made to the last FBI director, James Comey.
0: First, I would try to talk him out of it. And if that failed, I would resign.
1: Comey came up a number of times. Under questioning, Ray also said that in his conversations with the president, he was never asked to take an oath of loyalty.
0: And I sure as heck didn't offer one.
1: And in an interview with the television evangelist Pat Robertson, President Trump expressed frustration with the trouble that Senate Republicans have had in getting the Affordable Care Act repealed and replaced. What'll happen if they don't?
2: Well, I don't even want to talk about it because I think it would be very bad. I will be very angry about it and uh, a lot of people will be very upset.
1: Senators are scheduled to regroup today, after their recess, to discuss the latest version of the health care bill.
2: I'm sitting waiting for that bill to come to my desk. I hope that they do it. They've been promising it for years. They've been promising it ever since Obamacare, which has failed. It's a failed experiment. It is totally gone. It's out of business. and.